now. Hey, look at that. Oh my goodness. Sorry to the people on the feed. So yeah, when I get preaching, I get moving. So I might end up in here. If I do, just, you know, send in the funniest home videos and give me some of the money. But Chad's going to move. you scared? I'm going to pop it. <laughs> I might. I eat a little too much sometimes. So, anyway, so anyways, guys, it's so good to be here. I'm so happy to be here and to see you guys. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, like I said, my name is Jarrett. Uh, you might not recognize me. A lot of the times I'm back teaching the kids or like out of town. I was actually, I was supposed to be out of town this week hunting. And Ernesto asked me, he was like, hey man, will you preach on November 12th or whatever the date is today? And I looked, I was like, oh man, dude. I'm supposed to be shooting deer right now, but then I remember what my great-grandpa said. My great-grandpa was a preacher down south, and he told my dad, my dad, my cousins, they'd go out hunting, and they wouldn't shoot anything on Sunday mornings. He'd be like, well, yeah, because the deer are all in church. <laughs> man, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. So I was like, man, if I skip preaching, the opportunity to preach to shoot a deer, God's not going to send me a deer. So guys, all jokes aside, um, it is an opportunity for me that I cherish. I love preaching, um, and I'm so grateful that you guys are here to listen and read the word with me and learn. So today, we are going to be in Daniel chapter 2. Ernesto asked me to cover Daniel, and for those of you who don't know, we've been working through the Old Testament as a church uh, for the entire year. And so we're almost at the end, Daniel. And uh, it's been like a crazy year so far. We've been moving super quick through the Old Testament. But my buddy Jonah said that it's kind of a fool's errand to cover the entire Old Testament. But guys, I think that we've gotten fruit from it. And I think that we're going to see that today. So as we approach the book of Daniel, I want to keep that idea in mind. We as a church uh, wanted to read the Old Testament together so that we had more tools to approach these books when we read them on our own. And so when I read the book of Daniel, you know, over the past couple weeks, trying to figure out what I was going to be preaching on, I tried to figure out, like, what is a good thing, like, to pull from this book that would give us a lens through which to view the rest of the book? Say you want to go back and read Daniel later. You know, what can help us? And as I was reading these stories uh, in the book of Daniel, I kept coming to this same question over and over and over again. And church, I want to propose today that the book of Daniel aims to answer this question, uh, at least with its narratives. The book of Daniel is a compilation of different genres. So there's prophecy in it, there's some poetry in it, but guys, we're going to study stories today. We're going to take a break from poetry. We've been doing a lot of poetry lately. So we're going to do stories today, which I love doing stories. And church, the stories in Daniel... They aim to answer the question. This question kept popping up. What do we do as believers when we are forced to live our greatest fear? What do we do as believers when we are forced to live our greatest fears? You guys see, Daniel was forced to live his greatest fear. And in order to understand that, and it's full what, thrust, we need to know where Daniel comes from. You see, God placed Daniel at a very specific time in history. And guys, this is why it's important to go through the Old Testament. We're going to call back to the things we've been learning here. You see, Daniel was born 
during the time of King Josiah. He was born uh, in the southern kingdom, so the Judean kingdom. So Israel split in two, right? We've been following Israel as a nation. They split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom, they had a lot of kings that didn't care about God. They fought and they vied for power on the world stage. They disrespected Yahweh. They chased money and they chased greed and they chased power. And God allowed them to be destroyed. The kingdom of Judah, which is the descendants of David, they had some good kings. So they hold on longer. The kingdom of Judah is not destroyed until the 500s. Assyria destroys the northern kingdom in 700. So they hold on a couple hundred years. And Daniel is living. Our story takes place right as Judah is being conquered. Daniel is actually one of the remnant that Jeremiah talked about last week. He is taken into Babylon as a foreign servant, and Judah is left, those who remain, to die, as Jeremiah would say. Now, Daniel grew up, like I said, in the time of Josiah. And if you guys remember Josiah, he was the good king who found the law of God. He found this book, you know, what was available at the time. He didn't find the Gospels. That didn't happen yet. But he found the, you know, the law of God in the temple. It's this old, dusty book. And they were like, what is this book? And Josiah read this book, and he was like, oh, my goodness. I know why the northern kingdom has fallen. I know why our kingdom split. I know why the south is being threatened by Babylon. I know. It's because we've forgotten the promise that we made to Yahweh. The promise that we made when Moses was on Mount Sinai, right? That's the promise Israel made. They entered into a contract. And Josiah realizes that this is the problem. He says, we need to make the law known to everyone to try and save this kingdom. And Josiah starts a reformation. He starts a reformation. Everyone knows the law in the kingdom of Judah. And there is like life in the followers of Yahweh. In the Israelites who remain in Judah. There is life there. You guys, that is what Daniel is born into. He knows the law super well. He's a wise man in Jehoiakim's Uh, court. He would know the law super well. That's the culture that he's born into. And Daniel is set up. He's placed in this time to be the hero of these stories. Church, Daniel is taken into captivity and he is taken away from the promise of God that Judah and that the line of David would rule an everlasting kingdom. That kingdom falls. Daniel is living in that reality where the promises of God seem to be up to question. He doesn't know anymore. He's living this great fear. And church, these narratives that we read in Daniel, they ask the question over and over again. How do we as believers live our lives when we are forced to live our greatest fears? We all have fears. There are things in this life that we are scared to lose. There are things in this life that we are scared to encounter. Church, how do we as believers live when we are forced to do that? Because life will force us all to do things we do not want to do. Life is a taker. It is. Um, So church, what do we do? 
when we are forced to encounter these things. Daniel was forced, and we're going to learn from his example today. So Daniel chapter 2. Church, we're going to read the entire story. It's a long story. Every story in Daniel is long. But church, I'm going to read this story so that you can listen. Just listen to the story. If you want to read along, by all means. But I'm going to try and read it uh, like you're listening to a podcast or something. So just take in the story beats. There's actually some prophecy in here. I'm going to skip over that. Um, I will tell you what the prophecy says, just so you're not like, what does the prophecy say? And you're distracted. But church, we're going to learn from the narrative today, the story. So Daniel chapter 2, verse 1 says, In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time, because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious, and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out. And the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Stop there. Let's make sure that we're following. Church, the story is long. The story is simple. In the second year of Nebuchadnezzar, he has a dream. And this dream is so concerning to him 
It's so potent. It's so impeding that he knows it must be a dream from the gods. He knows that this dream is trying to tell him something. And so Nebuchadnezzar calls in his magicians, his enchanters, his sorcerers. Because church, at this time, dream interpretation was a very well-known mode through which God spoke to man. People assumed that if you had a dream, it could be interpreted, and it was the gods trying to talk to you. Nebuchadnezzar believed in gods. Uh, Daniel believed in one true God, and we will see that. Um, So he calls in his magicians, his enchanters, his sorcerers. He says, tell me the dream and its interpretation. They say, king, we'll tell you the interpretation. Just tell us the dream. You see, Nebuchadnezzar is too smart for this, though. At that time... Uh, It was such a common mode to interpret dreams that there were actually books that people could look at and be like, oh, there was a horn in your dream? The horn represents power. And so these magicians, because they're not actually magic, like, tell me the dream, and I'll tell you what it means. Nebuchadnezzar knows, though, that this dream is, is trying to tell him something. He wants to make sure that these people are magic, that they actually have a message from the gods. And so he says, no. I'm not going to tell you the dream. You tell me the dream. He asked for magic. He asked for a miracle. And the magicians do not like that because they are not magic. They're not magic. They're like, uh, king, just tell us the dream. And he's like, no, listen, dude, if you can't tell me the dream, I'm just going to kill you. Like, that's what he says. And they're, they're angry about it. And what does Nebuchadnezzar do? All right, fine, I'm going to kill you. And he sends out a decree to kill every wise man in the land because the wise men said, no one can do what the king asks but the gods whose dwelling is not in flesh. But church, we know a character who is a hotline to God. In chapter 1 of Daniel, Daniel is introduced as a man that God teaches to interpret dreams. We are set up to know that Daniel will be the hero of this story. Enter Daniel. Daniel's going to be killed. And Daniel, because he is prudent and smart, asks Ariok, the captain of the king's guard, he's like, why is he trying to kill us? He finds out why, and he immediately goes in, sets up a time to interpret the dream, goes back to his friends, says, let's pray. And then God gives him the dream. So right here, there's a song of praise. We're going to skip that song, not because it's not important, but we're doing the narrative today. So skip down with me to verse 24. It says, Therefore Daniel went into Ariok, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Ariok brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or astrologer can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the later days, the latter days. 
Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. In church, Daniel gives the interpretation. He gives the dream, he gives the interpretation. The dream is a dream about a statue, and it's made of metals, and it is a, the interpretation is that it is the kingdoms to come. And church, <clears throat> that is the dream. That's the interpretation. Now, is Daniel right? Skip with me to verse 46. 46. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. Seems like it was right. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. For you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. End of story. Our hero wins. Our hero wins. Because that's the end of that story. And Daniel is filled with stories like this. But church... I want you to see in this story, not only is Daniel living his fear of being separated from God's promise, but he is living and forced to face a very real fear, the fear of death. He is threatened with death here. And really for no reason that is his fault. Like he's not in the room with the magicians and enchanters. He's just a foreign wise man. And because of the decree of the king, he is about to be put to the knife. Daniel is forced to live this fear, this fear of death. We all fear death. Even Christ feared death. Said, if you can take this cup from me, please do so. Jesus knew he'd beat it, but it's scary. Daniel faced death. He was forced to live that fear. Church, let us learn from Daniel today. The first thing I want to point out about Daniel when he is forced to face his fear, when he is forced to live in that uh, critical and dangerous moment, the first thing Daniel does, he bets on God. Daniel takes a bet on God. The first thing he does in verse 15 says, he declared to Ariok, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Ariok made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to God, or to the king. Church, Daniel, as soon as he hears he's going to die, he knows that the odds are stacked against him, right? The king has decreed something. Now, Daniel could try and do a lot of stuff to get out of this, right? He could try and kill Ariok, who's come to kill him. He could try and escape the kingdom. But church, Babylon was the greatest kingdom that the world had ever known. Daniel knew the odds were stacked against him. And he knew his best bet 
was to bet on God. He goes and sets up a time to interpret the dream before he knows the dream or its interpretation. Church, that is an act of faith. Daniel knows his God, knows who his God is, and says, I think I'm screwed, dude. I better go right now and put my faith in God. I better bet on God. Church, when we face these tough times, when we are forced to live our greatest fears, you have a choice. I have a choice. You can bet on yourself. You can get angry at God. You can be bitter about what he's putting you through. Because make no mistake, church, if God is all-powerful, then what's going on in your life, he is allowing to happen. And we can either be mad about that, or we can put all of our faith in God and trust that he has a plan. He, we can put our faith in God. We can bet on God and know that he loves us. We know God's character. But church, we have a choice. Daniel had a choice. He bets on God. It's a good bet. God's the house. You never bet against the house. He's all powerful. He bets on God. What does Daniel do after that? Immediately after that, he goes in, he's like, I'll interpret the dream. Immediately he goes back home to other believers, his friends. And he says, we better ask for mercy. Church, don't forget to pray. When you bet on God, when you put your faith in God in your tough scenario, when you are forced to live your greatest fear, don't forget to pray. Uh... I find myself frustrated sometimes when I'm going through a hard time and people will be like, well, did you pray about it? It's like, man, dude, I know. Yeah. But guys, you know what that is? That is a misunderstanding of what prayer is. Daniel understands what prayer is. And let's correct our vision of prayer. For those of you who feel like prayer isn't something powerful, let's talk about what prayer is. Prayer is a direct line and communication to the one creator of this universe. Daniel knew it. It is a communication. You have a direct line to God. The God who, if you believe in him, says that you are an adopted son or daughter. He loves you like a child. Church, do not underestimate the power of prayer. Daniel did not. Daniel put his faith in God. He said, I'm toast, dude. Let's ask for mercy. Let's pray. And Daniel prays. Now, church, don't forget to pray. When you're facing these tough times, don't forget to pray. You are forced to live your greatest fear. And you, you pray every night. That's good. You pray every night, guys. That's good. Do not forget to pray. Now, <clears throat> after that, that's kind of the process, right? After that, I want to point out, church, if you bet on God, if you bet on God, if you pray, He will deliver you. He will deliver you. Look in the story. Daniel is given the dream immediately. 
That's a great story. Church, sometimes God delivers us in ways that we don't want, though. Daniel is delivered in the exact way that he wants. It is miraculous. It is powerful. But sometimes life isn't like that. Like I said, we all fear death. If God delivered all of us from death or our family dying, there'd be a lot of old Christians. Church, that's what we want and that's what we pray for, but sometimes God does not deliver us in that way. Sometimes he does not. And church, then you have another choice. You're forced to face a different fear, a life without your loved one. What do you do then? Do you bet on God? Do you continue to trust in his plan? Do you continue to pray? Or do you bet on yourself? Do you get angry? Do you get bitter? Do you get upset? The choice is yours. It is mine. Church, you can bet on God. And I promise you, he will deliver you. Now, he may not deliver you from that hard time, but he will pull you through it. God has this amazing capacity to know exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. We have a choice. When we are forced to live our greatest fears, we can bet on ourselves or we can bet on God. Now, <clears throat> I want to point out one more thing. Daniel does this stunningly. And I want to say this. Church, when we are forced to live our greatest fears, we bet on God and we pray. When we do that, we become beacons of hope in a dark world. We become light in a dark world. Daniel did it. Look at Nebuchadnezzar's response in 46. Nebuchadnezzar's response is this. My Bible won't uh, bend the page. He says, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, truly your God is God of gods. Eventually, we watch Nebuchadnezzar be converted in this book. The king of Babylon, the greatest empire to ever grace the earth. Nebuchadnezzar comes to know Yahweh through Daniel. Church, all of us will face hard times. We will be forced to live our greatest fears. Don't think that the world's not watching you. Especially with social media and stuff. Everyone is watching how Christians respond to hard times. You know why? Because we preach a message of hope. And not everyone, but some people watch you suffer and they're like, man, this dude's going to recant on God. He's going to realize that God was fake all along. It's what they're thinking in their head, even if they're not saying it to you in church. You have a choice and I have a choice. Will you bet on God? Will you pray? Because I know he'll deliver you. And then you'll be a beacon of hope. Church, I'll end with this story. <clears throat> I knew a guy named Jesse at Moody. I met this dude. He lived on my floor. Jesse's like one of the best dudes I've ever met in my life. He was just a good guy. <laughs> like, me, when I was at Moody, I was like a rule breaker. I was like rough and tumble. Like, for Moody standards, I was still a good guy. But, you know, Moody Bible Institute, they were real uptight there. So anyways, Jesse, 
He was a good guy, though. He'd see me, and he'd laugh at me, talk to me like I was a human, you know? Some people wouldn't. (laughs) But, you know, Jesse, he just had grace for me, and I always admired him. He was just a true believer. He convicted me a couple times, too, and by telling me what I was doing wrong. Guys, it never was like him looking down on me because I knew that he was like a real guy. Like, he was being real with me. And uh, those people are rare. I only know a couple people like that. Well, Jesse's one of them. His wife, who was his girlfriend at the time, she's great too. Church, I want you to meet their son. His name is Archer. You throw that picture up. You don't have the picture? That's fine, John. Church, I'll tell you about his son then. Uh, Jesse's son's name is Archer. He has a disease called Kabuki syndrome. It is an incredibly rare cognitive disease. Uh, They have been given bad news after bad news with Archer. Um, He has had many setbacks. He's learned to sit down. He's learned to stand up. And then he has a seizure. And he forgets how to do it. They, They claim that he may never learn to talk. They claim all of these things about Archer. Church, Jesse's living my greatest fear. That's the greatest fear I have right now. You guys have met my son. He rules. I love him. Guys, that is a fear that I have. And church, I look at Jesse and I say, what would I do? Jesse and Olivia don't have to wonder what to do. I see them every day post on social media about even though how the odds are against them, even though the doctors are giving them negative news, They believe in a creator. They believe that God made Archer in his image. And church, I'm going to tell you right now, that's true. They are living my greatest fear. And I look to them, what would I do? I could say what I would do. I could read the book of Daniel and say, well, that's what you're supposed to do. But what will you do when the rubber hits the road? What will you do? Will you bet on God? When all the odds are against you, church, the whole book of Daniel is filled with that. Daniel and the lion's den. They're going to chuck him into lions. He's like, I'm not praying to you, dude. I'm praying to God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into the fire. They don't care because they know. They worship the God who loves them and the one true creator God. Church, that is the God we follow. A God who loved us so much that he sent his only son to die for us. Church, will you pray to that God? Will you bet on that God or will you turn away in anger? There are people in this church who are living some of their greatest fears and I watch them. Everyone is watching them. I'm proud of my church. Chrissy, you're living a fear. You're so powerful. You're a Daniel. You are. I look at Chrissy. Chrissy has a taxia. They say Chrissy will end up in a wheelchair. Do I see Chrissy running off and doing her own thing? No, I see Chrissy sitting in front. That's what I see. Church, when I'm faced with something like that, what will I do? Will I be like Daniel? Will I be like Chrissy? Will I be like Jesse? Will I be like Olivia? I hope so. I hope I will. Church, because we are beacons of hope. When people look at something like Chrissy's disease and they say, ah, she's going to turn away from God. And Chrissy's out here preaching the good news. 
That's a beacon of hope. People are like, wow, it's not just surface with them. Church, have you read the Ricky Diaries lately on Facebook? Church, he could be mad about his mom being sick. We just prayed for her. He could be angry. COVID, I thought we were done with that. But we're not. Church, she is in there fighting for her life right now. Ricky has a choice. You know what I see? Go read it on Facebook. They say her kidneys aren't supposed to work, but somehow they're working. Ricky's out here declaring miracles over his mom. Because we bet on a creator who controls this world, who is more powerful than a disease, more powerful than anything that you can imagine, any fear that you can imagine, more powerful than that. Ricky, you're a Daniel. Good job. Church, there are Daniels out here. We've got to pray for these guys, that they have strength to get through this fear. Church, we will all face fear. All of us. We will be forced to live in a scenario we do not want to live in. How will you live? The choice is yours. It is mine. Will you be a beacon of hope? Will you show the light of the gospel? Or will you selfishly turn away? That's the question I ask myself. Church, I hope I'm strong enough when I got to do it. But these guys, they show me it can be done. Let's pray. Lord, I want to come to you today. I want to thank you for this day. Lord, I want to thank you for everyone in here. Um, I want to thank you especially for the Daniels. Making my sermon so easy to preach, Lord. Um, Lord, thank you for them. Be with them as they traverse these scary times, uh, their greatest fears. Lord, be with us as we do that as well. Lord, we love you so much, and we just want to thank you for the ability to meet in here and uh, the ability to be edified by your word. We love you so much. In your name we pray, amen. amen. Thanks, church.